Thank you, James. Thank you, praise team. Thank you, praise team at HBF. That's some good singing today. God bless you guys. It's so good. After all this COVID stuff, it is awesome to be able to come back and hear people sing in that sanctuary. We had a lot of weeks there where it was it was great praise, but it was uh, not like having the whole team together. So we really appreciate God using you all to glorify his name. Welcome to HBF once again. If you're joining us online, uh, remember that uh, you can also text us. There'll be information flashed up there as you go. If you're joining us at home, we're glad that you're here. And we're glad that everybody's here, whether you're here in the flesh, of course. We're glad you're here. And, of course, also if you're uh, joining us online, we're glad that you're here as well this morning. We're going to be in the Finishing Strong Sermon Series. So if you have a Bible, be turned to the back, book of Acts chapter 28. Uh, if you have one of those guest Bibles or maybe you didn't have a Bible, uh, maybe you never had a Bible in your life. Well, you can grab one from the seat rack in front of you, and that can be your Bible. And you can be pay- turned to page 1,449. Um, that's where we're going to be this morning. We'll be hitting that text in Acts. Now, uh, there's a lot going on this morning at HBF, and I just want to kind of, I don't normally do this, but bef- I'm going to pr- front load my message with announcements. I thought, I said, there's so much happening, I got to preach some announcements this week. <laughs> so, uh, so I just want to remind you, first of all, I want to, I'm excited for all those that just graduated. Uh, there's a lot of action in the community right now, a lot of young people graduating high school. Uh, some are having their ceremonies finally. I know Harrisonville just graduated theirs, and I'm sure the others around the the, uh, the counties of Cass and Bates and Henry and uh, Miami and all those, Jackson, whoever, wherever you're coming from. I just want to take a moment because we are planning to have a graduation recognition um, in the next few months. Uh, it was delayed because of COVID, and so we still want to do that. But I don't want to wait that long to just say, hey, congratulations. I know we, I see Rachel here. If you're a senior, could you just stand if you're graduating high school this year in the, in the house? I know Rachel. Is there anybody else? Well, if it's just Rachel, hey, congratulations, Rachel. Awesome. Look at you. You're so studious taking notes. I like that. So praise God. She knows how to warm up to the old preacher, doesn't she? So, um, so uh, just keep that in your, in your calendar. Luke Fleshman will get back with us on the official. Uh, we have several seniors, actually, in the church that we'll be recognizing here uh, in, this summer before uh, the new school year starts. So keep an eye on that. There's also <clears throat> some really cool stuff going on that you need to know about here at HBF in regard to Bible publishing. Uh, we're loading up these rooms, or we will load up these rooms with signatures. And signatures, if you're not familiar with that, are uh, portions of Scripture that have yet to be assembled into an actual Bible. And we have a, uh, we have a task. We have a mission to get 5,000 Bibles assembled, not at our fall Bible conference, which is coming up in September, but, but we've got to get that done before the end of July. And so uh, Bob Hall's managing that project, and he's going to call for all of us, all hands on deck, to come and help assimilate and put the, uh, the signatures together. You'll be hearing more detailed information on that. But I want to mention it for two reasons. Uh, this project is going to Sierra Leone. You, some of you remember when uh, missionary Mike Pepper came and he brought the military general and all of that. That was an incredible time at our, at our, fall, at our, at our vision conference one spring. Uh, well, that's where the Bibles are going. And there is a famine in the land. So this project is very timely uh, because they've shipped Bibles and haven't been able to get them. There's, they got a whole bunch of Bibles in lockdown. These Bibles are going to get to where they need to go on time uh, to the local New Testament churches. The people who need the Bible uh, obviously want to get the word to the world, the lost people, but the church, Christians don't even have Bibles. So, so we need to get these Bibles done. So this is a real project. It's a real battle uh, that we're, God's given us the grace to be a part of. So you can get involved in that this week. But it also starts really a new phase in what we're doing here with Word First at HBF. 
in regard to projects. Uh, you know, we've always done an annual project and we've worked on those projects and, and from time to time did a John and Romans and so on and so forth. But I think really from this point on, by God's grace and his mercy, uh, he's going to continue to allow us to do projects perpetually. And so these projects that we have lined up this year go all the way through the first of the year as far as how much time it's going to take us after Sierra Leone, after Chichewa Project. Uh, we still have Jamaica. We still have uh, Oaxaca. We still have real projects with real people that we know. People that We're not talking about just some distant group of people we've never met. These are people on the ground that we know, people that we, once uh, God allows, we'll be able to get in our airplanes and, and get back to where we're going. I plan on being on the ground in Malawi. Uh, when the uh, Bibles arrive with the Chichewa. And, uh, you know, Lord willing, we could get to Sierra Leone. we get to all kinds of places if the Lord would allow it. So uh, just be praying about that. But also what really I'm up here saying is uh, more than praying, we really need participation. As many hands, as little time or as much time as you can spare. All you got to do is have a willing heart and clean hands, literally. <laughs> you know, we say clean hands and a, and a pure heart, you know, but literally we need clean hands. So uh, we'll, we'll give you instructions on how to handle all that, but we're excited about that. And then today, right after service, another practicum thing that we can do to get ready for 4th of July, uh, Pat Lee is going to be having a coordination meeting immediately after this service to help us get ready for 4th of July at the park. They are going to have fireworks and explosives, so we pray the word of God will go forth there in a mighty way. We'll be there handing out John and Romans, encouraging folks. I'll be giving away some fireworks with some, you know, do the 4th of July type questions and stuff and draw a crowd, do a little bit of preaching. It'll be a fun time this year. So we want to make sure to be here for that. So I don't know about you, but I'm just thankful that God has us on a mission. Uh, and we're going somewhere. I see Jim Lumpkin here, man. We need to remember Nancy Lumpkin and Jim and the family. Uh, Nancy's mother just passed away this last week. Now, she's in glory. Amen? So we know that. So, uh, But keep Nancy in your prayer as, uh, as they're bereaved at the loss of her mom. And, uh, and, man, that just reminds us of how important it is to be on mission. It'd be so tragic if Nancy's mother wasn't saved, you know, but her mom is saved and she is in heaven. And so, uh, so we really need to be on mission. And I'm thankful that God has given us... Uh, some real, what I call real battles. So forgive me if, if, if uh, that's too strong a language for you, but that's just how I think. Uh, and so that's, that's really, I want to be, we want to be engaged in something that's substantial. And that's really why we've been studying the book of Acts, because the book of Acts really links us to our DNA. It's not just feel good church. It's not just like going to church for the fun of it. We're actually going somewhere and, and, and we're following the Lord's will. And the blueprint for what we do is found in the word of God. It's what, it's what we're all about. Our mission statement here is equipping the saints of God and the word of God to accomplish the mission of God and the power of God for the glory of God. I think I tacked on the glory of God somewhere in the last, you know, 18 years. But that's the main thing, right? You've got to give God all the honor, all the glory, all the credit, right? That's 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So, so the reality is this, is that what all that means is it's God's will. It's God's word. It's his way. And we just want to submit to what he's doing and follow him obediently to the best of our ability. And that's what Paul is doing as, he, as we see he gets called out in Acts chapter 9 and he has been following the Lord faithfully and now we're at the end of the, of the story that is written by uh, Dr. Luke in the epistle of the book of Acts, the, uh, the, the, the epistle of Acts, which we've been studying as we've been examining our DNA. And particularly we've been talking about finishing strong in the ends of the earth. Last time we were in this text, we saw that Paul was in Malta the island of Malta, they finally finished that terrible journey through the ocean, all the wreckage and all the things that occurred to get them safely to land. Everybody was safe and saved physically. And then, of course, um, that is where we ended the story in regard to how Paul was interacting with the folks on Malta. And today I want to pick it up in Acts chapter 28, verses 11 through 31, and look at, at uh, the Apostle Paul now as he travels from this island of Malta 
to the city of Rome. And uh, we continue this study of finishing strong in the ends of the earth. Now, we're going to look at three things that are necessary. And these are going to kind of be a review. I'll hold it for just a moment. But what we're going to end the, the text on is something that we've already seen. And it's just an underscore by the Holy Ghost to remind us of what's really important uh, this morning. So Acts chapter 28. And I just want to go ahead and finish up the whole chapter. We're going to pick it up in verse 11 and read that. Acts chapter 28, and if you would, I, I know some of you, if you can't, you can't stand, that's great. If you can stand and honor God's word, let's, let's stand and look at the word of God. We're not very ceremonial around here, uh, but man, I tell you what, uh, let's honor the word of God. And as we're doing that, I did remember something ter- terrible I missed. Uh, with graduation, tonight's our HBI graduation. And so if you all could come back for that, that would be tremendous. Uh, we have folks that have spent four years investing their life in the most advanced discipleship that we have here. And uh, tonight we're going to honor them and celebrate that, give them a diploma. And uh, that's our HBI, a four-year Bible institute. So uh, you're invited to that as well. Okay, let's read the Word of God. Acts chapter 28, and uh, let's pick it up in verse 11. And after three months, we departed in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor and Pollux. And landing at Syracuse, not not the university, the city, we tarried there three days. And from thence we fetched a compass and came to Rigium, and after one day the south wind blew and we came to Petoli, where we found brethren, and we desired to tarry with them seven days, and, and so we went toward Rome. And from thence, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as Epi Forum and the three taverns, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. And when he, we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was suffered which means allowed, to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. And it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of your fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner uh, from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, would have let me go, because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar. Not that I had aught to accuse my nation of. For this cause, therefore, uh, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. And they said to him, We neither receive letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came, uh, showed, or spoke anything, any harm, I'm sorry, of thee. But we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest, For concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against, speaking of the Christians. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted." And I should heal them. Verse 28. Be it known therefore unto you, the the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. 
And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Heavenly Father, we come this morning and we pray in a very special way that you would uh, literally allow our eyes to be open and our ears to be hearing, and our hearts to be sensitive. Lord, I pray, God, if there's any hurting and any wounds in this congregation, Lord, that you would heal them. I know there are wounds. I I hear them. I see them. I sense them in people's hearts. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that the Spirit of God would teach us all things, and all things consist of you, because you are all in all. And so, Heavenly Father, may we exalt your name as we just sing. May we lift you on high. May our lives be in humble submission to you. May our lives... Bring honor and glory to you. May you be glorified this morning in your word and in our deed, Lord. Work in and through us for your namesake, for your mighty glory. We thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Again, we're on page 1,449. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one of those from the the seat rack, one of our HBF Bibles, and you can use that. You can take it home if you need to. Now, we're talking about finishing strong, and there's three things. And I said I'd tell you we're going to review some things, and this is what we're going to review is the fact that that we're going to talk about three key things to finish strong in the ends of the earth. Now, Paul is in Rome. It's, this, it's the seat of Gentile power, or he will be. We just ended in Acts 28 in, in Rome. That's where he's going. It's the seat of Gentile power. He was in Malta, which is literally like the ends of the earth. It was an eclectic group of people from all over the world, predated even the Greek civilization. So literally, Paul was in a place where he, he had accomplished the Great Commission. Now, Paul's taking, or God's taking Paul to Rome. And so the three things we're going to see in the next few weeks, I'm not going to be able to get through it all this morning, but the first thing is the key men. We're going to talk about key men this morning, which Paul, uh, Luke, uh, Aristarchus, those are key men. We're also going to talk about key cities. Next week we'll get into that. As we look at Jerusalem, we look at Antioch, we look at Alexandria, Egypt, and what is the importance of those things and why are they recorded at the end of our Bible here in the, or the end of our text in the book of Acts, chapter 28. And what does God have to say about that? And we'll also look at really what the Bible or the book of Acts concludes with in regard to this key message that Paul is presenting once again to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And, and, uh, and he uh, twice mentions the kingdom of God. So we'll, we'll uh, unpack that, as they like to say today, and uh, look at all of those things in the coming weeks. But this morning, I just want to focus on really finishing strong in the ends of the earth and, and focus on the reality of it's so important that, that there are key men that do that. Now, um, there are key men that are in motion. Key men are in motion. Uh, in Acts chapter 26, verses 11 through 16, we read that. That's really what's happening with Paul. Paul's been in motion for quite some time. And, and I have a thesis here, and I, and I put that up uh, on, the, on the screen here. There's a thesis. And so, uh, and, and it really is, it's really important that we get this. The, the deal is, is that key men are in motion, and they are. Uh, key men are in motion because it reflects the Great Commission. And those are terms, Great Commission. Where's that in the Bible? Well, you don't really see that. That's a term that we've coined, Great Commission, because God is, has a mission. And we, we inherit, we take on Jesus Christ's mission. Of, of, and we just see Paul. We just read about it. Paul says, hey, salvation, Jesus' name means salvation, uh, is coming to the Gentiles. And we have inherited this mission from God to go ye therefore and teach all nations. I mean, that's what we do. So key men are in motion. Now, the antithesis, right, the opposite of this thesis is not being in motion. It's not being on mission. And, man, it's a sad thing when you are around believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that don't understand why they exist. 
Because if you don't understand who you are, you won't understand why God put you here. And then you won't be about doing what God put you here to do. And then it becomes religious and it becomes just phony. You know, it becomes a bummer. And so uh, I tell you what, we, we don't want that. We want, we want to be on mission because God has a mission and he gave that to his apostles. So key men are in motion because it fulfills God's mission. Paul had been in motion since he was Saul of Tarsus, right? He, before he was even a Christian, <laughs> he was in motion. He was on his way. Uh, he was a man of action. He was on his way to Damascus to stop this Christianity thing in its tracks, so he thought. And, of course, he was the one that got stopped in his tracks. And he was moving to persecute the church when the Lord Jesus Christ met him on the road to Damascus and changed his direction, right? And then he was on the move for Jesus from that point forward. And so from there, his ministry has been in motion and God has providentially uh, used him as a, as, to reach the world with the gospel, even to this very day. The, the epistles that we're reading about, for the, in large part in the New Testament, not all, but many of them are the literal writings of the Apostle Paul. When he physically couldn't be in motion, his hand went into motion. And now we have the epistles that God has spread all over the planet. It's amazing because God is moving. He's moving on this earth. He's moving in us, right? We know Satan's moving. You don't have to wonder about that. Just turn on the news, watch, you know, whatever, get on social media. Satan's out there. He's always moving. But you know what? So is God, and God's way ahead. God's going to win, and God has already won through the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul, he was on the move, but he did have a pause for a couple years. We saw back in Acts chapter 23 through 26, right? He had to stop in Caesarea after being arrested in Jerusalem and sent to Caesarea. He was in park for a couple years there in, uh, in prison waiting to be heard. And then, of course, he appealed to Caesar after meeting Agrippa. And then after he met with Agrippa, he was on the move once again. And he met this man, or was put in the custody, rather, uh, on his, in his appellate journey to Rome under Julius, the Roman centurion. And we've already seen all of that. And even as a prisoner of Rome, Paul was on the move. And God was moving in and through him and the ministry team that was accompanying him to get the gospel to the ends of the earth, which is where we left off in Malta when he was there ministering to the, the, the folks there in Malta. So that's where we found ourselves last week, in Malta among the people who certainly uh, were counted as those of the ancient people predating the G- Greek culture at the ends of the earth. Now, Paul was in motion because he was fulfilling God's great commission. And I've already mentioned this, but just for the reference, for those of you that haven't heard this, where is that in your Bible? Well, there's more than one places. I, in my marginal notes, I've got seven different New Testament places you can find the Great Commission. But let me just give you a couple this morning just for grins. Uh, the one that we all hang our hat on, which is so easy, was Jesus' direct command of the, the apostles, which becomes our command, uh, in Matthew 28, 18, where Jesus said, he, he came unto and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Now it's important that he says power because that ties into Acts. We'll see that in just a moment. All the power resides with Jesus. Uh, He's now at the right hand of the Father and uh, all power is his. And so go ye therefore uh, and teach all nations, he says in verse 19. Not some nations, all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the world. Amen. Can we say amen? Amen. Amen. So he's with us. Uh, He's he's in us and he's with us. Isn't that comforting? In a world when you need some comfort, man, that's good to know. The Lord Jesus Christ is just as present right now in this congregation. And if you're born again in your life, in your heart, in your body, literally, right now, as he was in the Apostle Paul's in the first century. And that's why we've got to tie our DNA together and understand 
that, man, you have access. You got the power. You don't need CNC Music Factory. You got the power right here in the book. Some of you got that. So in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, that's pretty funky music. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Quit laughing, Jim. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Right? So, man, he gives even geography to this thing. So literally, he's like saying, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost. And that's broad. That's a broad. That's like, well, man. Now, you say, that's hard. To, that's impossible. Well, guess what? That was the commission in the first century without airplanes and email and text messaging and, and all of that. And yet God got it done. We see that when Paul arrived, we just read, when Paul arrives in the, on the Italian peninsula there, guess what? There's saints there ready to receive him. The word of God had already spread because of this power that Jesus spoke about. Now, in Acts chapter 1, it's important because Jesus says, now, wait here because the power is not coming. We saw that in our study of Acts. The power came through the Spirit of God at Pentecost, 50 days later. So God wants us to be in motion. COVID-19 has brought the world to a standstill, unlike any time in my life. Everything just kind of paused uh, for quite some time, and, and you know, unless you were an essential worker or construction worker. Uh, but the, the world, uh, you know, the Word of God doesn't stand still. The world can stop, but God's Word will not stop. Uh, you know, we continue to get the Word of God where it needs to go, even in the circumstances uh, that are not ideal. And praise God for that. I, I'm so thankful for our adult Bible fellowship pastors. Within a week, I mean, they were like up and running on virtual you know, services, just like that. Boom. Why? Because the word of God has to go. We have to meet. We have to get the word out. We have to make disciples. Oh, we can't meet in person. Well, then we're going to do it virtually, right? We've got to do the mission, period. There is no like exemption. Well, I'm sorry. uh, The internet's down. You can't do the mission. Well, no, we got to do the mission because that's what we're supposed to do. So uh, just a couple of weeks ago, several of us were out taking it to the streets and uh, we had church in the park, and we're planning on 4th of July in the park, and we're assembling God's Word to get it to Africa, Jamaica, to Mexico, etc. Discipleship and evangelism continued through COVID because why is that? Because we know what the Word of God says. The Word of God is not bound. Now, we could be bound to our homes, but you know what? The Word of God is not bound. You can be stuck over here at Cass County Jail, and some of you have been, but you know what? You're sitting there in jail, and boom, here comes an HBF Bible. It's happened. There's people in this building right now because of that, because the word of God is not bound. God's word is on the move, and we need to be following it wherever it takes us. So later in Paul's life, he would be rearrested and and treated very cruelly in about six or seven years from the time that we are here in the book of Acts, just before 70 AD. But even when Paul is bound, the word of God goes forth. The bulk of our Bible, as I've already mentioned, it was written by Paul when he was physically incarcerated, and even in his worst incarceration, Right when he was treated like a dirty, rotten criminal, not like he is now. Now he's under house arrest. He's pretty leisurely, but in a few years later, Nero's going to drop the hammer on him. And it's in those times he's writing those precious pastoral epistles to Timothy, man. And we cherish those things. Instructions for the church. Why? Because the word of God's not bound. Do you realize that some of our largest attendance, as far as people looking in on what HBF is doing, has occurred during COVID because of the technology? You know, 2 Timothy 2.9, Paul said, Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Amen. The word of God is not bound. You can be maligned, you can be, you can be accosted, you can be misrepresented, and we often are. Uh, but you know what? The reality is you can't stop God's word. God's word is not bound. 
So Julius had the, the prisoners board a ship heading north from Alexandria, Egypt to Rome in Acts 28, 11. And, and it had wintered, uh, this ship that they were getting on had wintered in an island whose sign was under the Roman gods, Castor and Pollux. Now these are the gods of sailing and travel. These, these gods, a couple twin boys, they're good with horses, they're good with travel. And uh, St. Elmo's fire was attributed to them. So whenever, uh, you know, the air would get electrified out in the ocean and the mass would light up, they would say, oh, that's the gods of Castor and Pollux, you know. And so it was quite a, is, this, was, this was a big deal for sailors. And so this ship pulls up on Malta, and hey, this ship is coming. It's flying under Castor and Pollux, and man, I'm sure all those pagans are, hey, let's get on this, baby, because we've had a rough ride. So, uh, so they jump on that ship, and, uh, and they head north. And, uh, and so these, were, these gods that, they were, that, that were represented on this ship were these two twins, uh, believed to be, by pagans, uh, both Greek and Romans, to be born of the same mother, but had two different fathers. Uh, one of the fathers was believed to be Zeus, if you were Greek, or Jupiter, if you were Roman. And the other had a moral heritage. So the one brother, um, uh, uh, I believe it was Pollux, asked Zeus or Jupiter, whichever, you know, it's a myth, if, he, if his brother could get his d- divine nature. And so he lent his divine nature to him, so to speak. He was able to be grafted in, so to speak. And so these two twins uh, be- formed the constellation that you guys have heard of, of called Gemini, right? Castor and Pollux. And so that's why they're... There, that's they, nobody would associate that with Cain and Abel, I'm sure. But anyway, so so they uh, so they would so they they would follow under this sign of Castor and Pollux, and uh, and so in the fourth century, the pagan Roman Church actually synthesized Castor and Pollux. You wouldn't, wouldn't you know they would call them Paul and and Peter, <laughs> and so uh, they have nothing to do with Paul or Peter. But the reality is this: uh, these guys are still pagan, and they're still trusting in something other than Jesus. But Jesus got, has the man with a plan on the boat with them as they're heading north. And after three days in Syracuse on the island of Sicily, they sailed over to, to Regium on the tip of Italy before catching a south wind and sending them north to Patoli, which is the primary port city of, of Italy until the later artificial port uh, that was built at the mouth of the Tiber River called August, uh, Portus Augusti. So the primary landing, uh, uh, the, the, the primary landing uh, port there is where they were in Italy. Now, the cool thing about that is that you, wouldn't, you would guess, remember, they were, Paul was already on a grain ship, a ship full of grain from Alexandria, Egypt. And uh, we'll talk more about Alexandria next week. But this, ship, the, this port brought two things in. It brought in grain from Egypt, and it brought in merchandise from the Middle East and from the Orient. And so from there, Paul made his way up this Appian Way, this road, when it talks about uh, a pie and... Uh, uh, three taverns. Those were cities or towns along the, the road to Rome. And literally there are and there were Roman roads. All roads do, did lead to Rome at that time. And so this road had some key cities on it because there were key people in them. So key men are in motion because they follow God's spirit. And so, uh, and so that map that you just saw, and I've got one on the handout as well, you can examine that and, and kind of trace the, 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 the motion there of the Apostle Paul. But key men are in motion because they follow God's spirit. Ever since Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, the spirit of God has been moving, right? You remember moving upon the face of the water. As soon as Satan fell and, uh, and the earth was, or the uh, universe was just, disinte- or not disintegrated, but it was uh, deluged and there was a great flood that flooded out the universe, the spirit of God was moving upon the face of the waters. And it wasn't out on the Atlantic Ocean. It was the, I mean, this was the waters that flooded the universe. How do we know that? Because, well... 
the, the sun and the moon, the stars weren't created yet. And, and so, and so, uh, and so the Spirit of God is moving upon the face of the waters, and then God begins this creative work in seven days. Everything that you see, literally in seven days, in six days actually, is there. Boom. And he takes the seventh day off. Not because he has to, just because, well, he's setting a pattern of rest. Because, you know, in this world you need rest, and that rest is found in Jesus. He is the creative power that gives us rest. So Jesus laid out this great commission in Acts 1.8, and, t- and he told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover, when he would send the Spirit of God uh, to d- indwell the, the believers there. And since that day, the Spirit has been working through the church to fulfill the mission of God and the power of God for the glory of God. And we see in Acts 16.9 that with all the revelation that God had given the Apostle Paul, he was still dependent on the Spirit of God day to day to help lead him and teach him and guide him. That's, remember in Acts 16.9, he was like, you know what? I know I'm supposed to preach the gospel. I know I'm supposed to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. I know I'm supposed to do this, but I don't know. This is a closed door right here. So where do I go next? And God gave him a vision, a man in Macedonia waving, and he's like, oh, I I peradventure, that's where I'm headed. So the next thing you know, they're on a plane, or not on a plane, they're on a ship, and uh, they didn't have planes back then. Uh, And so they're on a ship, and they're heading over across the ocean to make their first uh, landing in the European continent to plant the church in Europe, there in Macedonia, with that ladies bible study down by the river so how did paul do that well he was sensitive to the spirit of god god's spirit was moving west and you know and it said hey paul go west young man get on get on the, the bandwagon with me and go where i'm telling you to go and we need to be sensitive to the spirit you know likewise paul was just de- dependent upon the teaching of the holy ghost to reveal to him how the ship would fare on the way uh, to rome from uh, from uh, caesarea he was on a need-to-know basis you know, sometimes we want to know all the details, but Paul was on a need-to-know basis. And then when he knew, he shared what he knew. Really, the only thing that, that man, the, the man of God knows is that he is on, a, is, is on his way to heaven. I mean, that's the first thing that you get locked down. I remember the day I got saved. I knew for the first time, whoo, I'm going to heaven. I mean, assurance, like I couldn't tell you how assured I was. And I am. But that day, it was, I remember it wasn't just that day. The next day I woke up, I looked out the window. It was like the whole world looked a different color. It was called the color of grace. I don't know what grace color looks like, but the whole world was colored in grace. And I'm free from sin and death. And I couldn't even articulate all of that. I just knew it in my soul. I know it to this day. That's why I'm up here preaching. I believe it. And, uh, and, so, and so when you meet Jesus, man, it rocks your world. It changes your life. It sets you free. It makes you a new creature in Christ. And and it just the, the whole world is different. You may not know, oh, someday I'm going to be a pastor, or someday I'm going to be a missionary, or someday I'm going to be married to Susie, or I'm going to be married to Jack. You may not know all the details, but all you got to start with is knowing that you're going to die and go to heaven someday, or you're going to get caught up in the rapture. If you get that assurance, man, all the other decisions are, frankly, downhill from there. You don't make a bigger decision in life than that one. I mean, after that, well, hey, it's, it's, it's all downhill from there. I'm not saying you don't make some important ones, like who you're going to marry, some of you graduates, in just a few years, some of the biggest, outside of getting saved, some of the biggest decisions that you're going to make are coming. So keep following the Spirit of God. Don't go out on your own. Isn't that what happens? Teenagers, they get out of high school. Oh, I'm outside of mom and dad's authority, so now I'm going to do what I want to do. Be careful. Don't do what you want to do. Do what God the Father wants you to do. Be free that way. He'll take you places and do things you could not imagine if you just follow Him. So heaven, uh, um, heaven... What am I trying to say? Okay, really, on the, the only thing that the man of God knows is he's on his way to heaven. That's where I left off. And he must continue forward in advancing the Great Commission. Now, what are you doing to do that? 
Now, I just gave you a list of things in the announcements. If you want to get in on that, we have things. You don't even have to be a member. You can get, on, you can get in on putting the Word of God together. You know, you do need clean hands. Uh, that's important. And, and Bob, Bob's in the back. He's got the green Word First shirt on. That means he's ready for work today. Isn't that right, Bob? And so, uh, and so, and so you can get a hold of Bob and start getting in on that right away. You can get in on doing the mission of God and the power of God for the glory of God. Not having a plan is a plan to fail. And Paul planned to go to Jerusalem and then to Spain. Some think he even made it to Great Britain. So how did, he, how did, he, uh, how did all that change happen? Well, it happened through the Spirit of God indwelling him and working in his life and getting him to the place where he could get the Word of God to the nation of Israel and to the church. So key men must walk in the Spirit. they got to go God's way and not their own way. Now, Romans 8 says this. This is an admonition for those of us that like to go our own way. It says in verse 4 that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. See, God has, he wants to, he wants to reveal in us Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God. He fulfilled the law. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Follow after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. You know, what that means is if you're in London, right, and you're on the tube over there in London, their subway system, uh, every time the door opens, and several of you have been to London with Brian Clark, it says, mind the gap. With the British accent, of course. I didn't do a very good job of that. And so, mind the gap. Which, what does that mean? Pay attention to the gap in the floor so you don't trip and get you know, sucked down a tube or something. All right, so mind the gap. What, pay attention. So Paul's saying, hey, don't, you don't give attention to the flesh. Give attention to the Spirit. That's why you're here. I commend you guys, man. You're here this morning because you're giving attention to the Spirit. What does the Spirit of God have to say to us? Well, I don't know. I read it from the Bible. God knows. What to, that's, that's what's important. I know what God says, and that's all I got to know. Because the Spirit of God is teaching us His Word. It's so important not to dis- disconnect from the Word of God. God's will is His Word. You want, What is God's will concerning a new car? Well, starting God's will for your life. He'll give you the details on a new car later. He'll tell you not to get in debt, servers not borrow, be a server, or a, yeah, borrow a servant to the lender. He's got all kinds of information for you and your new car purchase, right? And so, so it's all in here, but you, gotta, you just got to let the Spirit lead you and follow the Spirit. All right, so Galatians 5.25 says, If we live in the Spirit, which if you're born again, you do live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So you can be alive in Christ, and the Spirit of God can be dwelling in you. But that's also very clear in Galatians. You can make a decision not to walk in the Spirit. You can decide, you know what, God? I'm going to quench you. I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to put cold water on your hot fire. I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do. Or you can even grieve the Spirit. When the Spirit's yelling at you, don't do that, and you do it anyway. You don't walk where you're supposed to walk. God, it's grievous to the Spirit of God. You can, you can fight against God inside of you. Some folks have these internal battles. It's, man, I tell you, well, let's say, let's be honest, all of us Christians have that internal battle. I, I don't know about you. I'm the preacher here. Maybe you need to be up here, not me. But I tell you what, it's always a battle, isn't it, between following the Spirit and the flesh. And so you got to, as we teach in our Discipleship One lesson, it's so important that we feed the flesh the, the things that it needs, the nutrients which come, which come from the Word of God. The key men are in motion because God's people, they're not static. You know what? God's in motion because he's, out, he's seeking who he can save. Uh, you know what? There, nobody's really seeking to be saved. We have this thing called seeker-sensitive, like people are out looking for Jesus. The truth is people are dead in trespasses and sins. 
They're looking for something that they usually aren't looking for Jesus. But the Spirit of God, you know what He does? He works in us. And, and he, just, Lord Jesus is looking for people. And so, you know what? When people get down and they finally get to a place, oftentimes when they're at the end of their self, as we call it, and they realize, you know what? That's the best I, I can do hasn't been very good. That's usually when they're ready to look for something else. And that's when it's prime time to come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been moving through the motions of life and, you're, and you come to a point, maybe even today, where you realize, you know what? My very best. I had a friend. He used to be, he's a, well, he, he, he had troubles, but he's an old heroin addict. But he'd always say, my very best got me incarcerated for X number of years. Got my, I lost my family, et cetera, et cetera. Lost my business. My very best effort. But Jesus, you know, then he got saved and God prospered him again. And so, uh, and he would give that testimony. It's very, very fitting because really our very best doesn't usually end up very good. Uh, and even if you have all the things that you want, you know, in your heart, there's something missing. And what is that? It's Jesus. Amen. It's salvation. It's Jesus. That's what we're missing. Praise God for that. So, you know what? That's why key men aren't, they're in motion and they're not static because God, the Spirit of God is still moving and we're, He's trying to get us where we need to go on time for some divine appointments. Even the forces of the Sanhedrin or the Roman Empire could not stop God's sovereign plan to get the Apostle Paul to Rome. God was able to work through Paul's, uh, not even the weather could stop Paul, not even a Eurachlodon could stop Paul. He was able to work through Paul's incarceration to get him to the seat of Gentile power before the mightiest Gentile on the planet, which was Nero. I mean, that's how powerful God is. God was in motion, and he was moving a key man to a key, another key man so he could hear the gospel. That, that can only happen because of the power of God's Spirit. In Revelation uh, uh, chapter 3, we see the tale of two churches. One is the church of Philadelphia. It has a door that's open, and no man can shut it. I mean, that door is wide open, and people are moving about. And then you have another church called the Church of Laodicea. And Jesus is knocking on the door. You guys have heard me do that plenty of times in this, in this church. And people aren't responding. They're, they're not listening. They're not paying any attention. There's too much static in the, in the uh, atmosphere, right? The earbuds are clogging their earports. I don't know what it is, but something is keeping them from paying attention to what the Lord Jesus Christ has to say. Maybe it's our rights, right? We just sung about that. I give up my rights. That's a beautiful song. We should be singing that every day in the Laodicean church. I give up my rights. Because our, we don't have any in Christ. Jesus Christ is our righteousness. He is our rights. We don't, man, we're his. I know that sets wrong. When you say that in America, especially around the Midwest, you're like, wait, hey, that's against my... I know, we got the Bill of Rights. I know, I love the Bill of Rights. You know, I'll die for the Bill of Rights too. But listen, at the end of the day, I'm a Christian first. That's my allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, what would we do if there was no air travel and we were not permitted to go to the world? And what would we do? Would we just stop? Think about that. What do you think this preacher would do? You better believe I'd find a way. <laughs> We'd have to find a way, whether it's by ship, get some canoes, start paddling. I don't know what we're going to do. We'd have to find a way. Why? Because God has called us to go. It doesn't matter that, you know, well, historically, you know, we're talking about the, and, and really Jerusalem isn't Harrisonville. It's some other, I get all that. God has called us to go to the ends of the earth until he comes and receives us. We've got to go. We need to be committed to move with the spirit of God, even if it's difficult. 
You know, in that church of the open door, I just mentioned the Philadelphian church age, there were folks, uh, then there was a lot of them, not just a few of them, but there were a lot of folks. You can go back and study the Moravian movement. That's out of an old Lutheran movement. Those missionaries, they were born again. They took one-way tickets. They went to Greenland. They sold themselves into slavery in the Caribbean uh, so they could reach the peoples of the Caribbean. I mean, guys, that's, that's commitment. That's not letting anything get in the way. Let's go in where they needed to go to get the mission done. Uh, and so that's why Paul said, you know what? You've got to kind of be a soldier to follow Christ. Endure hardness as a good soldier. There's a little bit of soldiering that has to happen as well. As things get difficult, right, then we have to get more tenacious, not more passive and not more off course, but even more focused on what is the really important thing that we're supposed to be doing here. That is preaching the gospel and making disciples, getting people saved and training them in the word of God so that they can get people saved and train them in the word of God all over the planet, period, period, period. It's not easy for Paul to follow the spirit, but I tell you what, he's going to have an easy go at the judgment seat of Christ. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so poquito, right? So small for my friends. <laughs> when we see Christ, right? One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrows will erase. Oh, for those, you know, Paquito is so small. All right. Uh, so, so, so bravely run the race. Till when? Till we get tired? No, till we see Christ. All right. So key men are, they're in fellowship too as well. In verses 14 and 15, we got another thesis here. Can you believe that? Uh, so key men are in fellowship uh, because it reflects the great commandment. Okay, so, so they're, they're in motion because that reflects the great commission. God has to get us somewhere, but they're, they're in fellowship because there's a great commandment. Yeah, a great commandment found in, in, in the word of God. In Acts 28, we see in verse 14, we were found, uh, where we found, I'm sorry, brethren, and were desired to tarry with them seven days, and so we went toward Rome, and from thence, when uh, the brethren heard of us, they, they came to meet us after, uh, as far, I'm sorry, as the Appi Forum and three taverns. Sounds like we used to have Green Gables up there at, uh, off of Truman Road. It reminds me of a bar, but that has nothing to do with this. Whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. When you think of a tavern, that's what I think of. But anyway, uh, so three taverns was just three abodes. That's what they called it. And it was a play in these towns. Uh, people were traveling over 30 miles to come and see the Apostle Paul. That encouraged him. So, uh, and then it says there that they ended up in this town of Patoli, which I already mentioned. We found brethren in Patoli. So Luke, Aristarchus, and Paul were searching for brethren at every stop. You notice there's no one mentioned at the other stops. They didn't, they didn't find any brethren at Syracuse. They didn't see anybody here. But when they get to these certain stops, all of a sudden it's like, hey, and we found brethren. You know why they found brethren? This is really profound because they were looking for them. Yeah, they were looking for brothers. You know, we take that for granted in America because you can, you can go to the gas station. Are you a brother? Are you a brother? Not, you know. But once you leave the United States, it's, it's a little different. It's not, quite as a, it's not quite as easy. You know, you run around India. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, they might get a cane out and whack you. I mean, you got to be a little more careful. I mean, it really, it really we take it for granted in America Many people here say, oh, I'm a Christian, and they aren't really even born again. It's so common around here. 
That'll get less popular as the days go on. Don't believe me. So today in America, many Christians grow dissatisfied with the fellowship very easily because they don't value or esteem other believers equal or better than themselves. There are people in the church, even in our church, that are just takers. Take, 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 take. It's like, please me, please me, please me. Or they set up these, these, uh, these, these expectations. And, and by the way, there are expectations, and we should do everything we can to meet them. But then when our expectations aren't met, what do we do? Well, we get mad. We get hurt. We get frustrated. We start crying. We start having a, a, a hissy fit, you know, a pity party. That's the other word I was thinking of. And that happens. Now, you know what? When you're a young Christian, you know, we already know that's going to happen, right? Because young Christians, Paul likens them to babies. It, it's, that's, you don't expect new believers to really understand all that. But as we grow in the Lord, as we mature, we grow in understanding the great commandment. That You know what? It's really not about us, is it? No. I don't come to church to be served. I come to church to serve. And it's the little things. You can see it. It's the people who like walk across the aisle to say hi to someone that's a guest. And they notice that. You know, man, that person feels uneasy. They're not worried about themselves right now. They're worried about someone else. You know, and that, that's, that's the nature of, of maturity. Because the more we grow, the more we mature, the more we love. It's like a parent, right? You know, you don't sit down with your two-year-old and say, now, I just want to know, why didn't you clean the house today? You know, it, no, why? You're serving them. You're cleaning their diaper. Well, hopefully, too, we can get them past that. But anyway, uh, so, you know, but you've been serving them. And as people mature, as children grow, more and more responsibility is put on them. Why? Because ultimately, service is learning how to love, which gets us back to the great commandment. Many of us coming back from COVID have, have a new appreciation for fellowship of the saints, don't we? Amen. Isn't it nice to be together? It's a lot easier. I mean, when you've been away from family for a while, you come back and you're like, oh, when I come home from a missions trip, I'm so ready to see my family. I'm so ready to be back at church. I'm so ready. I was so ready for the, 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 the COVID thing to get us back. To, I was just so ready to be with you guys. Why? Because I miss you guys. You miss the people you love. You miss the people of God. They were looking for people. Man, when we found brethren, we were so excited, Luke's writing. Sadly, it's been my experience that some of the most dissatisfied saints miss out on the sweetest fellowship of the Spirit within the body of Christ, not because it doesn't exist in the church, but it doesn't exist in their personal relationship with Christ. That's what happens. And if you're on, all of us have been there, right? You start to grow a little cold in the Word of God, and this just becomes like, eh, whatever, I'll get to it later. And you will feel your heart. You'll start to get spiritual heart disease. And all of a sudden, the great commandment just won't be as sweet anymore. And, you start to, and you'll get more critical. And then when people say something, it starts to hurt your feelings, and th- wounds start, and everyone becomes a victim. It's terrible. And then you've got to get back to the basics. And remember, you know what? Jesus sat there at the Lord's Supper. God gets on a, us on a clock, right? We, we celebrate the Lord's Supper just to remember this, that Jesus sat at the Lord's Supper. One of the guys is going to betray him and put him on the cross. The other 11... They're all going to forsake him, except for John. And you know what? He loved him anyway. Because, well, he's Jesus. Say, so, yeah, but he's Jesus. That's the point. Jesus lives in you, and he gives us the grace to love others also. And, man, when you're starving for relationship, I'm telling you guys, the church is the place to be. You know what? People in the church, we always say it's a hospital for sick people. It is. But it's also a place of healing. Don't forget that. 
And people that get in the word of God and get in fellowship, they don't stay wounded for long. Paul was encouraged by the fellowship that flowed from the saints along the Appian Way. It is said that all the roads lead to Rome, and that is the case of the Appian Way because of the conduit of encouragement and fellowship for Paul and Luke and Aristarchus. Aristarchus, I should say. A pie and three taverns are identified to this day along the ancient road leading to, uh, from Patoli up to, up to the city of Rome. Thirty-nine and a half miles, that pie was that far away, and they didn't, you know, they didn't have cars. It was, 30, it was 30 miles from three taverns. And so, you know, last week, uh, the West were here. You guys saw that at the end of service. You know, they drove two hours to be here. You know why they did that? Because they love you, and we love them. They drove two hours to get here. Used to be the Sitzmans would come up from the... They weren't even members. They'd drive in from Liberty to be here every Sunday. Isn't that cray-cray? That is nuts. I mean, but praise God. You know what? The Word of God is precious, and so are the people of God. Tonight, we're going to celebrate the hard work of, of Lauren Cohen, and I pray that we travel here just to encourage her and witness uh, all the hard work she's put in. It'll be a sweet time of fellowship because the road to get there was pretty difficult. All right, now notice uh, Paul's response to the brethren that encouraged him in Acts twenty-eight fifteen. Paul, he saw them, it says in the text. In verse 15, he saw them. And you'll never see your brothers if you're not looking for them, right? He, he saw them. And, and, you know, when I worked in the business world, in the industry right, I, that I was in, when I was on the lookout for brothers. How many of you do that at work, right? If you're doing something, you're on the lookout. Because you work in an environment where when you see a brother, you're not worried about what church denominate. You're just worried. You're looking for a brother or a sister in Christ. Because when you're in work, man, you understand the environment you're in. You're just needing some help. You want some encouragement. And you know what? That's, they were looking for some encouragement there on the Italian peninsula. And so uh, he thanked God when he found them. Man, let's be thankful for each other. Look at your neighbor and say, I thank God for you. Now, Samuel, you're not saying it. You need to say it to your mother. All right? <laughs> All right, isn't that good? That's good. And he took courage. And he took courage. Paul needed, to cur- uh, needed courage to go forward to Rome... And God, God provided just what he needed. A few years ago, ago, I went through a really tough time. And I tell you what, I, there was a time when I thought I was going to be the last man standing in our fellowship of churches uh, that actually believed in a King James Bible and held faithful to the word as I've been taught and so on and so forth. But you know what? The encouragement that came from all of our sister churches and those that uh, rose up through the Living Faith Fellowship as well, over the last several years, man, I tell you what, it was so encouraging to me personally and right on time. And so, man, I tell you what, there was a, it's, it's, been, it's been difficult to watch people walk away from the Word of God. And I've seen it happen over and over again. And uh, I tell you what, guys, it's hard to watch that. But you know what encourages you is the fellowship of the believers. And it's like at the same time as, as people I love dearly are kind of evaporating away, man, God is bringing in fellowship stronger Man, encouraging. Just that almost seemed like nowhere. Why does God do that? Because he knows when we need encouragement. He knows when we need encouragement. Are you encouraged this morning? Amen. Amen. I hope you are. Now, you can say, no, I'm not, and be honest, and I'm okay with that. But I want you to know there's a whole room of people that want to encourage you. We're here to help encourage you. That's why we're here this morning. That's why we come together. It's amazing how many uh, uh, are discouraged with God's people and, this, and it's the same ones who allow Satan to rob them of their joy and withdraw from the very people God has designed them to give, to, designed to give them encouragement. Encur- I like that word encouragement. 
Because you need courage. We don't need to be a bunch of spineless, you know, wimpy Christians. We need courage. We need to go out and share the gospel with people with love and grace, no doubt about it, but in wisdom. But we can't be a bunch of mamsy-pamsy people. That's not who Christ has called us to be. We've got to be people of integrity, people that can stand for Christ no matter what. So key men enjoy fellowship because it fulfills the great commandment. Now, I've been talking about this great commandment. Let me drop it on you. Mark chapter 12, verse 29. And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, he's talking to a lawyer, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. So our first priority is to love the Lord our God. This is the first commandment. And the second is, is like namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment, or there is none other commandment greater than these. So that's why we call it the great commandment. So we talked about the great commission. Now we looked at the great commandment, which is in essence to love God, as you hear us say often, and love people. Love God and love people. That's really the the summary of the great commandment. But make sure you're loving God. I'm going to throw some verses at you. Romans 13, 8 says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Galatians 5.13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says, and the, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. 1 Thessalonians 4.9 says, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Hebrews 10.24, And let us consider one another... Uh, to provoke unto love and good works. Man, you, you have the permission to provoke today. You can just go provoke somebody, but only to love and good works, right? Only to love and good works. 1 John three eleven. For for this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 1 John three twenty three. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of, of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he, has given, as, he has, as he gave us commandment. So it's worth noting that Paul, uh, Paul's love for the brethren was very manifest. He couldn't wait to meet with these folks. He opened up his house, and they came in, and uh, he did that for seven years. I mean, this guy, he, he wanted to be in fellowship. But you know what? He was also honorable to Julius. We talked about that last week. And we see the, the payoff of that when we get to verse 15. It says, and, and, and from thence, when the brethren... Oh, I'm sorry, in the wrong... Go down to verse 16. And when we came to Rome. They finally hit the destination. The centurion, of course we know his name is Julius, delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was suffered or allowed to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. Paul had a special living arrangement. Why? Because he honored Julius. He honored that Roman centurion. You know, Julius honored Paul because Paul honored Julius's authority. And I, and I think it's important today just to review this because I know we all know it, but let's just see what Paul had already written about Roman authority before he ever took his journey to Jerusalem. And this is very applicable today because there's a lot of people... Really, if you look at a lot of the tension in our culture today, it is about authority. If you boil it all right down, it's about authority. Let every soul be subject unto higher powers, for there is no power but of God. I don't want to see anybody that's in this church going out and provoking authorities. Man, that's just stupid. You know why? Because of what the text says, not what I say. Look at what it says. Whosoever there resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, 
And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Well, wilt thou uh, then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. That's what happened in Paul's case. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth good, or I'm sorry, that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For this cause pay ye tribute, that's tax time, also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. You know, today in our society, there's a lot of animosity toward authority. The Romans were not kind to Jews, I might add, in general. They were very, they hated Jews, and the Jews hated them. They were adversarial. And it was going to grow worse and worse just in the coming years after Paul uh, is recorded here in Acts 28. But we see that Jesus was working through Paul, and Paul was working through uh, and Paul was, Jesus was working through Paul to, to win Julius and, and get favor in his sight. And you know, it reminds me of what Proverbs 16 and verse 7 says. When a man's ways please the Lord. When we seek to love the Lord God first, you know what? He maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Do our ways please the Lord? Are we willing to go where God tells us to go? Are we willing to obey the Great Commission? Are we willing to love people the way God tells us to love? Are we loving God and loving people? I'll tell you what, Paul did that. And you know what? He wasn't just loving God and loving people. He was investing. Because key men, they're investors. They're investing. In verses 16 through 31, we're not going to read all of that this morning. That's what we saw. Paul was investing in the Jews. Some of them didn't want to receive it. And then Paul was investing in the Gentiles. Salvation has come to the Gentiles, he said. And the thesis is this. Key men are investing because it reflects the great uh, invitation. Now, so I've given you a great commission, I've given you a great commandment, but there's also a great invitation. In, Ma- in Matthew eleven twenty eight, the Bible says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall uh, find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, his Jewish brothers were important to him. Paul obeyed the mission and went to the Jew first and also the Greek we haven't seen the term Jews since Acts 26 and verse 21 when Paul stood before Agrippa. Since then, it's been absent from the book of Acts. But now it pops up again. And the Apostle Paul is, is now focused when he gets to Rome upon his Jewish brethren. As soon as he goes to Rome and is encouraged by the brethren, the, not the Jewish ones, but the Christian brothers, Paul then turns and he finds the chief of the Jews together and he preaches to them. And, and I'll expand more on that in the coming weeks. But he, he fulfills what he said in Romans 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. These are the last opportunities for the nation of Israel. They heard the gospel in Jerusalem. They heard it in Judea. They heard it in Samaria. And now Paul in the uttermost parts of the earth gathers up the Jewish leadership and gives them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 2 and verse 9, the Bible says, Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also the Greek. Not only does grace come to the nation of Israel first, but also the judgment. And, and I tell you what, it's a serious thing to reject the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, God, but glory and honor and peace to every man, whether Jew or Greek, 
that worketh good to the Jew first and also the Gentile, for there is no respect of persons with God. Now, that doesn't seem fair, but that's the way God ordered it, and that's the way God wants it. The Gentile brothers were also invested in and the, the last, two, verse, the last three verse, two verses of the chapter, verses 30 through 31, we see that Paul is now dwelling uh, two whole years in his own hired house, receiving all that came to him. It didn't matter who they were. If they came, he'd receive them. And we know that the Gentiles were primarily the ones receiving the gospel at that time. And we end the book of Acts with Gentiles gathering in Paul's home for two years. Let me ask you as we conclude, is your home open for discipleship? Is it open to teach people the word of God? I mean, that's like, that is the main thing. That's not the main thing of Heartland. That's the main thing of the New Testament. And if we're doing what the Bible wants us to do, it's the main thing of Heartland. And I pray by God's grace, it is the main thing at Heartland. Are you open to visiting someone in their home and and learn to visit over fundamental truths of the word of God? That's what Paul was doing. He was having discipleship meetings in his home with the saints of Rome. So this church exists to invite folks to participate in the Great Commission, to equip you, to literally send you to the uttermost parts of the earth, regardless of the airlines, regardless of the borders, regardless of the, the crisis. And you can begin that right now. You can get ready. You can join a team to go to Monmouth this fall. You can go across the hallway this week and work on scriptures. You can meet after church with uh, Pat Lee and get ready to go to 4th of July. And you can do all those things. You can sign up online and get someone to disciple with you to sit down with the Bible and open it up. You can get ready for VBS. And there's so many things to do that need to be accomplished for God's glory. And we need to be about all of them that we can do. You can't do them all. We understand that. I'm not saying you've got to do it all. But man, pray about doing something, being part of something, even if it's praying. Even if it's just praying about those things. Maybe you need to, to do that today. Maybe you need to sign up for Discipleship 1 or maybe D2 or HBI is coming up. Maybe some of you folks been through HBI, involved in ministry. You know God's calling you to go further. And you're counting the cost of a four-year commitment. Man, I tell you what, we're, if you want to do that, we're here to help you. Maybe you need to get a passport. Maybe you need to save some money. Maybe you need to get yourself out of debt and put yourself in a position where you can be about God's business and be a little bit more free for God to use you and call you to Macedonia or wherever he may be he wants to take you. But God is offering a great invitation. Won't you respond today? I mean, God, we've got a great commission. We've got a great commandment. But ultimately, we've got to respond to the invitation. And there's times in our life when God comes. You know, Revelation chapter 22. This is what we do as the church. Verse 17, And the Spirit and the bride, what do they say? Come. Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. You know, beloved, that's all we're doing. We're just taking the water of life, the water of God's word, and we're just offering it freely. Come. Jesus said, follow me, and he'll make you a fisher of men. Be a disciple. Salvation, sanctification, service, whatever it is God's calling you to, answer it before the call quits coming. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time in your word. I thank you for this passage of scripture. I thank you for key men, Lord, that respond to the great commission, that respond to the great commandment, who respond to the great invitation, and women as well, and children as well, and churches as well. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray now as we bow our hearts and our our heads together, Lord, that you would work in our hearts. If there's anything in our lives we need to respond to, that today we would do that. 